Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Pepper, as in salt and pepper. As in, don't go chasing waterfalls. No, it's Pepper, as in Pepper Johnson. Folks, are you aware that Pepper Johnson, the former Super Bowl winning linebacker for the New York Giants, is the defensive coordinator of the new XFL team called the LA Wildcats? They had one game, the first game, he's already been fired. This makes impatient people in baseball look super uber patient. Are you kidding me? They actually took their captain of their team in L.A., lost the game, released the captain, and fired the defensive coordinator for giving up 37 points in a 37-17 game. I need answers. I need the head of the Wildcats to stand up, the owner, the president, the GM, somebody. Explain to me why he's no longer a good fit. After one game, Pepper Johnson, one of my heroes, not a good fit. MLB is in the news because we've got spring training. We've got teams hitting the field. Workouts are starting. Let's talk about all sorts of on the field. Ah, No, we still have to talk about some off the field stuff. There's still news going on that we have to report before we can get to pitches, catches, players. Let's talk about playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? Are there teams thinking playoffs? I am, and here's why. It's been reported that Major League Baseball is considering expanding its playoffs. Well, having run a team for 18 years, I say, yes, please do. Expand it. The more teams, the merrier. Give me a chance. Because once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen, and then you can get a ring. The only way you cannot get a World Series ring is if you're not playing in October. I'd be in favor of 30 teams being in the playoffs. Does that make me crazy? Let's talk about what they're thinking of doing. Now, make sure you get the nomenclature right. This is not a proposal that has been put forward by baseball to the union quite yet. What has come out is a discussion, a formulation of an idea that will be traded back and forth with the players' union during the course of collective bargaining agreements. Now, here's how it works with issues. There's different levels of issues. Some issues are very, very serious for one side, let's say the economics of baseball, a salary cap, a luxury tax. Some issues are very important to another side, like minimum salary or long-term contracts or making sure that the contracts stay guaranteed even when there's lack of performance or positive drug tests. Now, some issues get totally turbocharged. They start in the middle and then boom, they're like, it's like a turbo in your car. It goes right to the top. This playoff issue may go to the top, and here's why. It is creating some conversation. So let me tell you what it is. Firstly, instead of the normal five teams, they're talking about extending and expanding the playoffs to seven teams per league. So you'd have, very simply, instead of three division winners and two wildcard teams, now you're talking about three division winners and four wildcard teams. And this is assuming no realignment. This is assuming no expansion. This is just assuming everything is as it is right now. 
Well, that's okay. More wild cards? We always love the idea of more elimination games. Why do we love here at CBS Sports HQ? Why do we love March? Because it's mad. Why is it mad? Because truly and deeply every single day, you've got a winner and you've got someone who goes home crying. That is perfect TV. Networks pay for that and leagues wanna deliver that type of content. So we've always talked about adding another winner take all wild card game. Tons of debates we used to have within baseball. Should we make the wild card two out of three or should it just be a one game playoff elimination game? Well, guess who made the final decision? Yes, those companies which bidded for the rights to show the game. Bidded, bid, what's the past tense of to bid? Bade, I forbade you from saying that my grammar is incorrect. Anyway, so elimination game. Wild cards. How will this work exactly? All right, I'm going to tell you. Whoever has the best record, say the Yankees, say the Dodgers in the National League and the Yankees in the American League, they will have a bye, which means they are in the division series. They get to play a five-game series to move to the league championship series. The rest of the six teams play each other. So you've got three series, obviously, because there's two teams per series. How's the math? Good. The team with the best record of the remaining six playoff teams who has won the division gets to choose which playoff team of the bottom three wild cards they want to play. Hold on. Hold on. I'd like you to picture this. They're talking about a made-for-TV event where you're watching and there is the president or the GM of the New York Yankees. Let's say it's Brian Cashman. Can you imagine? Brian Cashman who repels down buildings to raise money for charity, who sleeps on the street to raise money for charity. The last thing he would want to do is be in a studio with powder on his face, a little bit of rouge, a little bit of lip gloss to cover the dry lips. By the way, on the last day of the regular season, when you're preparing for the playoffs, no, no, he's got to go to a studio. I guess they could do it live via Skype, but my guess is it'll be in the studio. He'll say, we'll be in the studio, and he'll be there right in front of the cameras. We, the New York Yankees, and in the background, there'll be three teams. Let's say it's the Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Indians, and the Tampa Rays. Three teams who are the lower three seeds in the playoffs in the American League. The Yankees have a chance to choose which of those three they want to play in a three-game series. Now, you've got to win two of those three games, but they're all gonna be home games. So the teams sitting there waiting to be chosen are waiting to know where they're gonna get on a plane to play a playoff series of three games all on the road. Brian Cashman takes the microphone. He looks out at player representatives or GMs or maybe Jamie Gertz. If you got the Jamie Gertz reference that I'm loving you right now. Anybody, Atlanta Hawks, NBA lottery, less than zero. In any case, they're sitting there, Tampa, Cleveland, Minnesota. Brian Cashman takes the microphone and he says, the New York Yankees with the first pick in the 2022 playoffs choose to play a three-game series starting Tuesday night against, and they go to commercial. Everyone pauses, the excitement's building, the beads of sweat are on the GM of the Minnesota Twins. Do I have to tell my traveling secretary that we're gonna take the hotel rooms in New York or are we gonna have to go to another city? Come back from commercial break. Brian Cashman, still there, live, more beads of sweat. The New York Yankees choose to play the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. That's not gonna happen. 
It's not going to happen. There's no chance that we are going to have a situation where there's a live TV show where teams will want to choose other teams. Here's why. We would discuss it internally as a front office and say, listen, here's how we match up against these teams. We do an analysis. We, wouldn't, we may not know the three teams until that Sunday, but we may know earlier at the end of the regular season. We'll do a whole preparation. We'll say, hey, we think we have the best chance to line up against the Red Sox. We look at our rotation. We look at our lineup. We go through. The problem is, do you actually want to be responsible as an executive for saying that you prefer to play Team X over Team Y or Team Z? Do you want that responsibility? I certainly don't. Do you want to be a player who gets chosen first or the president of a team who gets chosen first? Let's say I'm with the Red Sox and I'm the booby prize. I have to play the Yankees who had me in the first pick. I'm saying to my players, hey, listen, you want us? You got us. We'll see you in New York on Tuesday especially in a sport like baseball, where home field advantage is not as significant statistically as it is in other sports. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the team chosen by the Yankees could go in and beat the Yankees two out of three games. And then how does Brian Cashman feel when he chose wrong? And one of the other teams he didn't choose loses two games immediately to the other division winner. It's completely ridiculous. It's never going to happen. But here's the thing when you're going through proposals, when you're going through thoughts, before anything gets approved by the union or in the collective bargaining agreement, there is discussion. There is trade-offs. What it looks like now is not how it's going to look like later. It's a negotiation. But there's one player who obviously doesn't understand what it means to negotiate. That's a player named Trevor Bauer. We've spoken about Trevor Bauer on this show. And, uh, I have a problem with Trevor Bauer, and here's why. And this isn't about management versus players. This isn't about me saying that I'm always going to be pro-management. You've watched nothing personal. You download, subscribe. You're watching it here on the queue. You know that when a player is deserving of praise, a player's going to get it. Trevor Bauer is that pitcher for the Indians who said he'll only sign one-year deals. He's that pitcher for the Indians who took the ball from Terry Francona and threw it into the center field stands from the pitcher's mound. He's that player from the Indians who then got traded to the Reds. He's that player who's now on the Reds, about to enter a full season where the Reds have signed two players, Nick Castellanos and Mike Moustakis, to identical four-year, $64 million deals, going all in in a division where they believe they have a chance to compete, where I do not. Trevor Bauer getting ready to report for spring training, getting ready to start the path to either being the opening day, number one, number two, number three starter, probably behind Luis Castillo. Trevor Bauer has time to say the following. No idea who made this new playoff format proposal, but Rob, he's talking about Commissioner Manford, is responsible for releasing it. So I'll direct this to you, Rob Manford. Your proposal is absurd for too many reasons to type on Twitter and proves you have absolutely no clue about baseball. You're a joke. When I saw it, I assumed it was a burner account. I assumed that there's no way there'd be a blue check. I assumed that even Trevor Bauer would not be so absolutely lacking any sort of intellect or understanding of role that he would tweet this. I give him credit. He did put an apostrophe after the U and before the R in your. Good for you. I do give him credit that he said T-O-O instead of T-O. He used that word correctly, too. What I don't give him credit for is that it's absurd for too many reasons to type on Twitter. 
You know, on Twitter, I just learned from people here at CBS Sports HQ, you can actually attach a photo. He could have written a document and then attached it on Twitter. He could have put together the reasons why he did not believe this proposal, if given to the players, would make sense. He has no idea. It's such a knee-jerk reaction. You know who's not going to give a knee-jerk reaction? Rob Manford. Because here's how it's going to go. The part of Rob Manford today will be played by David Sampson. The part of Bob Castellini, the owner of the Reds, will be played by David Sampson. The part of Trevor Bauer will be played by David Sampson. Bring, bring. Hey, uh, Bob. Yes, Commissioner. Uh, Bob, did you see what your player tweeted at me? Uh, no, Commissioner, I don't have Twitter. Uh, Bob, do you have a PR department? Uh, I'm focused on the start of the season here. Talk to me right now. Tell me what's going on, Commissioner. Um, Bob, uh, Trevor Bauer just called me a joke, and it's about this playoff proposal. Um, I, I don't know what, what playoff proposal you're talking about, Commissioner, but I can assure you that no player of mine would ever say that to you directly. Well, no, no, Bob, he didn't say it to me directly. He said it on Twitter. And I'm not going to respond to him directly, but I am going to call him. But I expect you, you, yes, you, Bob, to go down to the clubhouse in spring training and talk to him and explain to him that I don't like being called a joke on Twitter. I'm the commissioner of baseball, and I could make his life miserable. Well, I can tell you right now, Bob, that I'm going to go talk to him. Rob, I promise you that. Bob, thank you so much. We'll talk maybe again at the next owner's meeting. Okay, Commissioner, thank you so much. Now, now Bob Castellini does not sound that much like Elvis, but that is sort of Bob Castellini, great guy. So Rob definitely calls Bob Castellini, but he's not done. He sits down and he says, how do you want to respond to this? And he gets his lieutenants together and he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call him. We're going to call him. We've got to call him. We have to explain to him this is crazy. Rob says to his top lieutenant, Dan Hallam, I'm not calling him. There's no way that I'm calling Trevor Bauer. I'm not wasting my time with this guy. Meanwhile, it's been 25 minutes of discussion within the building of Major League Baseball. Dan Hallam, who's got 29,000 things on his plate, the deputy commissioner in charge of labor, in charge of negotiating with the minor leagues, in charge of the collective bargaining agreement, in charge of everything and everybody. Fine. I'll do it. Dan Hallam gets on the phone, picks up the phone, calls up Bauer, and he says, hey, uh, Trevor, it's Dan Hallam. Who? Trevor says. It's Dan Hallam, the deputy commissioner. Hey, by the way, this was on the fourth attempt because the first three attempts, Trevor didn't answer. This was reaching out to him by DM through his Twitter account as well. Hey, Trevor, here's my advice to you. If you have something productive that you want to do to help our relationship and get us a collective bargaining agreement and move this game forward, I'm always interested to hear what you have to say. So if you do have something to say, why don't you make an appointment? We can talk. I'll even fly down to see you. I know, by the way, this is back to David. I do know that we tell players, hey, if you want to complain about stuff publicly, we're going to ignore you. But if you have serious issues, you want to talk about issues that matter, we'll come to you. We will visit you at spring training. We will make ourselves available so you're not inconvenienced by a second if you've got something good, interesting that can move our game forward. But if you're going to use Twitter to name call, I've got nothing for you. Dan Hallam continues. He says, listen, Trevor, I'm just going to leave it at this and say, in the future, when you refer to Rob Manford, 
He is Commissioner Rob Manford, the ninth commissioner in Major League Baseball history. He is the one in charge of this game. Calling him a joke is the same thing as calling yourself a joke. It's calling this game a joke. The very game that pays you millions of dollars. Do you know why you get paid millions of dollars, Sir Trevor? For one reason, because of owners and the commissioner. Do you think that the Reds can replace you? Yes, they can. Just like they can replace me too, Dan Hallam says. The game will always go on. The show will always go on. When you make yourself the show, you're done. Dan Halem hangs up, goes back to the commissioner. He says, okay, Rob, uh, I took care of Trevor. What do you want to do now? In the old days, the old commissioner would have continued this for another five days, would have gone crazy reading every article about what every player was saying, would have read every comment by Trevor Bauer underneath his tweet. It would have been an absolute red alert, four-alarm fire in the commissioner's office. Rob Manford's not like that. He took care of the issue. He spoke to Bob Castellini. He had Trevor Bauer spoken to. He's done. He's good. He's going back to the other issues at hand, and believe you, he's got many. He's got to deal with the Red Sox. He's got to deal with making sure arbitration finishes off fine. Then he's got to start visiting spring training facilities when he's down here in Florida and maybe a trip to Arizona. And on top of that, he's got to start thinking about the overall collective bargaining agreement while trying to keep 30 owners happy who not only elect him but also pay him. So if you think that Rob Manford is going to obsess over any sort of negative publicity or obsess over anything that one of his players is going to say, then you don't know the commissioner. And I do know the commissioner. And I promise you that he is firm, he is fair, and when it's done, it's done. So Trevor can do all he wants with his tweets, call it you're a joke. He can do anything he wants to bring attention to himself. And at the end of the day, this new MLB playoff format Something will be implemented. There will be expanded playoffs. And the reason is that that will enable the entire league to get more money in its next broadcasting deals, which will allow, by the way, Trevor, more money to go to you if, in fact, you were ever going to get a multi-year deal, which you're not. So we were talking about broadcasting. We're talking about how it is, why you're trying to get the more playoff games, the better. You need more playoff games. You want more playoff games. That's how the package gets bigger. The NFL has figured out something terrific. They've got a product. They've got 16 games. We talked about what they want to do is get to 17 games, a 17th game for every team, more programming, maybe expand the playoffs again, which I think they will. But then something came out yesterday that I have to mention on the show because this is definitely nothing personal. So here's how it works with networks. You've got CBS and Fox who have the afternoon packages on Sunday. And then you've got NBC that has a night package on Sunday night. And ESPN slash ABC has a night package on Monday. So when you're the NFL, you're actually negotiating with four entities. And all four of those entities have separate contracts with the NFL. For whatever reason, there is something called flexing. And I don't mean what Coca does before every show. I'm talking about the ability to take a game that is boring and meaningless and change it to a different time or a different game. So a network has the ability in a national window to flex a game time. If it were going to be a 1 o'clock game, it could become a 4 o'clock game. If it had been 4, they can make it 1. So the Sunday day networks have that flex ability. 
Do you like that? That's sort of a single entendre. Then you have the night packages where there is the ability of NBC to change games, to actually flex games to Sunday night from Sunday day. You've got that ability. There are certain rules and regulations. There is now a rumor that the Monday night package will also become a flex night, and people are losing their minds. Meanwhile, I sit here watching the NFL always. As an MLB executive, I, let me illustrate what I did when there was stuff going on with the NFL. Anytime an NFL player got arrested, anytime there was any labor issue with the NFL, anytime there was anything, I would always say publicly, hey, I want everything in all sports to be good, right? Because every ship rises with the tide. So if the sports world is healthy, the business world is healthy, it's better for MLB. But secretly, you're always rooting for the NFL, the NBA. You want them to take a misstep so, N so MLB can, you know, get better. So when this is going on, I'm basically sitting home. I've got a big bowl of chips. I've got my salsa. And I'm eating, and I'm eating, I'm getting so full that I can't move. And I'm doing it because I'm hoping. Right on Twitter, it's popcorn. There's that gif that you're eating, gif, gaff, that G-I-F thing, gif, that you're eating popcorn, boomer. And so I don't do that. I do it with chips and salsa. The NFL has a problem from Pete with a PR standpoint. Because if you flex a game from Sunday to Monday and off Monday back to Sunday, that impacts everything. When you change game times on Sunday, you're really only impacting when your charter leaves after the game or when you get back home if you're playing at home. But if it's a Monday night scheduled game, and the whole reason this is happening is that the Monday night games this season were brutal. And I don't mean because of the announcers. The matchups more than once were impossible to watch. Of course, people watched them, more so than the Oscars. Did you see that, by the way? That a normal Sunday afternoon game on CBS. By the way, thank you, and my car thanks you. More people watch Sunday afternoon games on CBS on a random Sunday in the middle of the season than watch the Oscars. That is both a huge compliment to the NFL and a nightmare for the Oscars. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. You got, you're never going to beat the Super Bowl. You're not going to beat a playoff game. You're not going to beat a big matchup. But a rando Sunday game? The Oscars had 23 million people down from uh, Titanic in 1998. Had 55 million people watching. It was down to 23 million this year. That sort of audience erosion is what ABC, ESPN, CBS, Fox, everybody is trying to avoid. The way to avoid it is you need compelling stories. The way to avoid it is you need to have games that matter, not just to the gamblers. Now, we can absolutely count tau, cow now, high cow. I can't believe I can't remember the expression. We can kowtow? That just doesn't sound right to me. Coco, what's the expression? Kowtow is it? We can kowtow to gamblers all we want, right? We can put over-unders on the board. We can do prop bets. We can have announcers talk about it. We can have the ability to bet during the game the way they do at the e in the EPL with soccer, football, whatever, American soccer. All of that can happen. But at the end of the day, you've got to get non-gamblers watching your games. Bottom line. To do it, you have to have people nationwide who are interested. You have to have stories that are interesting. So does it change and hurt travel? 
Yes. Will traveling secretaries go crazy when they play a Monday instead of a Sunday or they plan for a Monday and now they're back to a Sunday? All of that will happen. Guess what? You'll get over it. Just like in MLB when you don't know who you're going to play until Sunday, if it ends up being that way, you'll get over it. Everything will work out in the end. Flexing. More of it is coming to the NFL. Flexing. It is the single most important thing that is correlated to the increase in revenue for leagues, which eventually goes to players. Okay. We're reviewing a movie right now that I can't wait to review. So the Oscars are over, and I want to get to some of the Oscar movies I've not reviewed yet, and the one today is Jojo Rabbit. I watched Jojo Rabbit twice this weekend, and the reason I watched it twice is that the first time I felt as though I wasn't, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. For whatever reason, the movie, which is a brilliantly written and directed by Taika Waititi, did I get that right, Coca? Taika Waititi? Taika Waititi, who won the Oscar for Adapted Screenplay, for writing Jojo Rabbit. He is a member of the, an indigenous tribe in New Zealand. This is true. He actually grew up in New Zealand. He's Jewish, born in New Zealand, an indigenous, an indigenous. I need like the Sesame Street guys. Indigenous. He is a member of a tribe and he now has an Oscar. He called out other indigenous persons during his speech. So he's a brilliant writer. And he wrote about something that Quentin Tarantino wrote about in Glorious Bastards and one of my top 100 movies. Anytime you're going to write a movie about Hitler, you're going to have a problem because you're going to have to walk a very fine line. On top of that, when you're making Hitler out to be sort of a boob, right? He's this goofy sort of crazy guy, not insane in terms of psycho killer, insane in terms of just goofy. Then you're going to put two little boys starring in the movie. You're going to throw in Scarlett Johansson and get her one of her first two ever Oscar nominations as supporting actress. Then you're going to have the brilliant Sam Rockwell also play a Nazi soldier. And you're going to somehow make it so you have empathy for these characters? Is it possible that I'm watching Jojo Rabbit thinking to myself, how did Hitler become the way he did? Why is it that this Nazi soldier who killed so many Jews, played by Sam Rockwell, that I'm able to look at him and actually not want him to die in the end? Is it possible that there can be sympathy for a little Nazi boy, a 10-year-old boy, who acknowledges that he is a Nazi even though he is hiding and working with a Jew? These are questions you ask yourself, and you wonder to yourself as you're watching Jojo Rabbit, is this what, hold on, what Taika Waititi had in mind? Or was he not going for that at all? He was going for straight entertainment. Well, I have my answer when I watched it for a second time. Uh, Jojo Rabbit's brilliant because it's both. He actually took characters who are absolutely despisable, despicable, heinous, disgusting, historically criminal and evil, and he made it every one of those characters in a way that you don't forget that their overarching sort of raison d'etre was evil. You don't forget the six million Jews that were killed. But yet you also are able to watch the movie and listen to the dialogue, listen to the prose. You see the words that are written on a page and you recognize the brilliance of the writer and the fact that you allow yourself to suspend 
disbelief for a moment and to be entertained by the possibility of the story of Jojo Rabbit. And that happened to me on the second time. When the movie was done, I had a tinge of guilt. Guilt as a member of the Jewish community that I would even review a movie like this, that I would see a movie like this, that I would vote for it to win an Oscar. It is hard for me to ever give a bigger stage to someone like Hitler. He doesn't deserve a stage. But then I'm remembering that if we don't learn from the past, we are condemned to repeat it. And this movie has a chance to teach young people who may not remember or view the Holocaust as far deep in the past as maybe the Civil War or the Revolutionary War because so much time has passed in their mind. Maybe this is the type of movie that they will see and they'll be able to converse with their parents and say, wow, Jojo Rabbit, the boy Jojo Rabbit actually gets it. There is a capacity to change for anyone, no matter your age. Jojo Rabbit, please see it. Okay, I love talking Mets, but not for the reason you think in this case. Why is it that when the Mets uh, are in the news, you all think I'm going to go after the Wilpons and you all think that I like doing that? I don't. I happen to really like Fred a lot. But I tell you when they do something wrong because that's the name of the show. I'm going to decode anything. First of all, you downloaded and subscribed. Thank you. Please rate it. Follow me on Twitter at David P. Sampson. I appreciate that. Make sure you ask a question. I'll do a bonus pod at the end of the month. Ask me anything. So the Mets got criticized yesterday. I'm t- they just have it wrong. Here's the story. The Mets got $57 million to rebuild and redo and refurbish their spring training facility in Port St. Lucie. 55 of the million, 55 of the 57 was public money. This is normal. Florida, definitely. Arizona, definitely. Public money is used for spring training. Because Port St. Lucie, during the months of February and March, there is a buzz there that does not exist the rest of the year. It behooves Port St. Lucie to allocate its dollars that way. It's their choice. They do it because it makes financial sense. So the Mets redid their home clubhouse at spring training. They redid it. It's gorgeous. But they're getting criticized because minor league players who play there all year long are not allowed to use the major league clubhouse during the course of the season. And the Mets are being criticized. MLB is being criticized because MLB is trying to contract 42 minor league baseball teams under the auspices, not entirely, but partially because they want proper facilities for their players. And now the argument is we have a proper facility in Port St. Lucie and you're making them use a regular minor league clubhouse, which, by the way, got refurbished too. They're crushing the Mets and the Will Ponds. All right, let me tell you. There is not one team whose minor leaguers use the major league spring training clubhouse. Not one. We have a beautiful spring training clubhouse for major leaguers in Jupiter for the Marlins. There is a single A team in the Gulf Coast League called the Jupiter Hammerheads that plays at the Marlins spring training facility all summer long. They don't use that clubhouse. They have their own clubhouse. It's normal. It's fine. But the Mets hate negative press so much that they sent Brody Van Wagenen out in public to say the single stupidest thing he said today. 
He said, the reason why we have minor leaguers not use the Major League Clubhouse is that we want minor leaguers to see what they're working so hard for, to see what it is they get as a reward for making the big leagues. Give me a break. What they get is a higher salary. Do you think they look at the big league clubhouse and say, oh, my God, I'm taking extra batting practice today, and I'm really going to bend my knees on those ground balls and do a perfect form because, ooh, do I want to sit in those cushy chairs in the major league spring training clubhouse? It's laughable. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. So you want to talk to Samson. Okay, here's what you do. You tweet at me, direct message, David P. Samson. Ask me a question. Now, for the end of month bonus pod, it's sort of an evergreen question, meaning ask me a general question. Today's question is an exact example of what I could have used for my end of month bonus pod when you rate me on Apple with five stars and write a review. But I really like this one. It's So You Want to Talk to Samson from the movie Half-Baked. And yes, I'm Samson, and you want to talk to me, and I'm here. The question is, did working in sports remove your fandom? Now, that's how it was written. Did working in sports for 18 years remove your fandom? Here's the question. As an executive in professional sports, can you still be a fan? And my answer is, you cannot be a good executive and be a fan. Every executive will tell you, of course, I'm a huge fan of baseball or basketball, whatever they work in. I love our team, I love our sport. That's them trying to, what's the word I wanna say? That's them trying to make believe they're one of you. Trying to make believe they're just like you, the fan. I'm here to tell you what's real. There's not one executive who's a fan if he or she is a good executive, and here's why. I can't allow myself to be a fan. When I was a fan, everything I thought, everything I did was based on my love of my team, my blind love of my team. No matter what happened, I loved my team. We'd win, we'd lose, it didn't matter. 
because I had a connection to the name on the front of the jersey. I had connections to the name on the back of the jersey, to coaches. But I knew, even as a kid, coaches come and go, players come and go, winning seasons come and go. But my love, my heart was given to my team. Every decision I made was based on my heart. As an executive, not one decision is ever based on your heart. Because when you do, you make the wrong decision. As an executive, every decision is based on the business of your team, on making your team a better team on the field, off the field. The biggest regret I have from 18 years in the game is that I'm not a fan of any sport anymore. And I talk about sports on nothing personal. I love it. I talk entertainment, politics, sports. I love them all. I love sports. But the question you asked me on So You Want to Talk to Samson was about being a fan. Can you be a fan and go to a stadium and spend the entire time looking around at the signage and measuring in your head what each sign is and how much money that team got for that sign? Or walking around to every concession stand and comparing prices of hot dogs, beers, looking at the combinations, the types of food, looking at the ingress and egress, going in and out of different exits to the ballpark, seeing how long it takes. Looking down at the office spaces or looking down at the different sections, looking to see how many employees, how many ticket takers, how many ushers. Is it possible that you can be a fan of hot dogs when you've seen how sausage is made? Is it possible when you know that movies are make-believe and that they're made one second, one minute at a time and that they're taken out of order and shot out of order? and that there's CGI and make-believe and special effects and stunt doubles and what you think is happening is not happening, who you think is doing it is not doing it. When you know all that, does that make it so you don't love the movie as much? For me, it did. I don't want to know what goes on in movies because I love them. I don't want to work in the movie industry, although I went on set with the Three Stooges as we talked about on our bonus pod, and I loved it for a day but I don't want to know what goes on to make that sausage because I love the movie. As a fan, I don't want to know how much work is to be done to make it so I get to enjoy the game. I want to enjoy the game. When I want to learn the inside of what it is to be an executive, I'll tune into nothing personal. I'll hear the stories. I'll see what it is from another angle. But for me personally, I can't go back. It's a bridge too far traveled. I've tried. I've been out of the game for two years. Do you know I haven't been to one game? I've not been to a baseball game since the final game where I was the president of the Marlins. Not one game. As a visitor in Miami, anywhere. I miss it. The question is, do I miss it enough that I can go? And if when I do go, will I be a fan again? Or will I spend the time looking around and calculating, hey, what's this guy doing that I didn't do? What's this team doing that's different than what I did? It's very, very hard. So the answer is, and I appreciate the question, I'm not a fan anymore. I don't believe executives can be fans. And working in sports for 18 years, 100% literally removed my fandom. Thank you very much for saying, so you want to talk to Samson. Okay, pick of the day. Uh, Did anyone watch the game last night? I'm sure a couple people in the studio did here at CBS Sports HQ. Uh, The pick of the day was the Raptors going for their 15th straight. And I told you, right, it's uh, the trend is your friend. 
and we had, I think we were giving 10 to the Minnesota Timberwolves, where there was a rational exuberance, totally irrational exuberance over the, over the Timberwolves and the trade. And I know you did what you were supposed to do. You took the Raptors and you got yourself a win. Yeah, we're back to 500, even though the rest of this season, the rest of my career is under protest because I was forced by Coca to make that XFL pick. That will never happen again. Every pick from now on will be my own. Nice try. Okay, tonight's pick, Celtics. Celtics getting two in Houston. How could I be going against the Rockets? The Rockets who just traded Capella. The Rockets who are trying to do something that has not been done. Playing with five starters, all of whom I think are 6'6 six, six or under. It's like five Charles Barkleys. You've got Harden. You've got Westbrook. It's a panoply of players, all of whom are like me. Why is it that I am saying the Rockets, it's not going to work? Is it because I'm still angry at Mike D'Antoni for how he did with the Knicks? No. Is it because I love the Celtics? No. Believe me, that's not what it is. It's because the Celtics are actually the better team. And I find that when you are a home team and you're only favored by two points, it really means you shouldn't be favored at all. So not only is my pick the Celtics plus two, I'm going a double pick today. And there's a way where you can take the money line and get paid to say the Celtics are going to win. So it's a double bet. Celtics plus two and the Celtics to win the game outright in Houston. That's my play. Okay, we end every show with a wait to see. Some of them are shorter than others. This is actually a long wait to see because there's a lot going on here. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we had time to do it all. And I think we do. So wait to see is something I do. And I keep track of everyone. This is episode 73. There's been a wait to see every time. When I'm right, I'm right. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, but I'll tell you. Remember, accountability matters to me. Well, the, the Betts deal has become official. Uh, I was about to say Roland Betts. Roland Betts, that's funny. That's a Yale connection. That's a, uh, uh, in New York, Chelsea Pierce connection. But no, it's Mookie Betts. The deal is official. And I said the deal will be different than it was at first reported. And it was. The actual deal was different. The Dodgers ended up taking the player who the Red Sox did not want. So I'm giving myself the credit of the wait to see. We spent a lot of time on this trade. We talked about it from all angles. We said, why are the Red Sox doing this? How could you give them an A for the trade? And I did. The reason I gave them an A is that their goal was to get below the luxury tax. And they did. When the deal was blowing up, there were all sorts of rumors. Maybe the Red Sox were getting bad press and maybe they were going to walk away from the trade. Maybe they realized they were making a huge mistake by trading Mookie Betts and David Price. And I was asked by tons of radio stations where I did interviews. I was asked by people here in the studio, are the Red Sox still going to go ahead and do this trade? And I said, yes, it's a guarantee. The reason is the Red Sox had one goal. They had to get below the line where they don't have to pay a penalty by going over the luxury tax. So why is it that John Henry and the new chief baseball officer, Chaim Bloom, they always make things worse. This entire season, offseason, they have made things worse. They did a press conference when they fired Alex Cora. It was a disaster. We went through it here on this very show. Now, <clears throat> they trade bets, they trade David Price, and they both release statements. 
I'm going to start with Kyan Bloom because Kyan Bloom has been in the Red Sox organization. You measure it in months, not years. He releases a full statement. Mookie and David have written chapters in our history that will last forever. No, the Red Sox beat your team. You would say Mookie and David have written chapters in Red Sox history that will last forever. It's not our. They are special both on and off the field. We're so grateful to them for the joy that they've brought to Red Sox Nation. Our overarching goal is to maintain a talent base that puts us in position to win as much as possible for years to come. That goal was front and center for us as we considered this trade. Let me tell you exactly what he means here. We knew very well that we have a payroll where we have to be not just this year, but over the next coming years. And we know that with Mookie Betts on the team that we were going to be in violation of the payroll threshold. And then the tax money was going to be taken away from next year's payroll. And while maybe we could have kept Mookie Betts this year, it would have had a deleterious impact on our future years. And given that we've won four World Series championships since 2004, I was brought in as the chief baseball officer to win another four championships over the next 16 years. That's my goal. To do it, I had no choice but to get under the line, and so I did. I'm happy with that. Just say that. John Henry makes it worse. This is John Henry, the principal owner of a team, giving a two-paragraph statement, one for Betts, one for David Price, I'm breathing. In trading a great player, comma, a beloved player, we recognize how incredibly difficult this is for fans who fully understand just how special Mookie is. While the organization in its entirety very much wanted to see Mookie in a Red Sox uniform for the length of his career, we believe in this decision as we are responsible and accountable for both the present and the future of the Red Sox. We thank Mookie for his incredible contributions, both on and off the field. Okay, when you trade a player like when I traded uh, Miguel Cabrera or Carlos Delgado or any sort of number of MVPs and phenomenal players I've traded over the years, you'd never hear me with a statement like this. Here's why. The reason why you're trading Mookie is just money, obviously. Why not just say it? Why not just say, hi. I'm John Henry. I own the Red Sox. It's my money, not yours. We've given you four championships. We appreciate that you're great fans of the organization. We're trying to win more championships. We have not found a way to do it by having one player make up such a huge percentage of payroll. We could give Mookie his $40 million a year. We could have a payroll of $250 million, and the math still does not add up. One player being such a high percentage, we want to spread the money around. We didn't expect J.D. Martinez to opt into his contract. We were praying that he wouldn't. At the end of the day, once J.D. opted in, there was no choice but to take money off the books. And by the way, who was going to take David Price? We can say how great it is that he won the division for us and the World Series. We can say that he's part of postseason lore. But at the same time, you loved us when we signed him. But now you wonder why we had to move him and pay half his salary because he's not worth the money we gave him. He was owed $32 million a year for the next three years. I would look right out at the fans. Be the man, John Henry. Look at them and say, yes, we traded Mookie Betts. And here's why. Because it's business. It's nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.